Hi there, and welcome to the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast, where I, Caitlin Fritz, help you reach your entrepreneurial potential. Together, we can build your dream social impact business so that you can leave a legacy beyond your nine to five. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Everyday Entrepreneurship. My name is Caitlin Fritz, and I'm so glad to have you here with me today. If you're just joining in, um, a little bit about me. I am a Forbes-recognized entrepreneur, business educator, and entrepreneurship coach, and I've worked with 650 founders from the Middle East to Australia to the U.S. to South America and everywhere in between to build, grow, and scale their impact-led businesses. So I am thrilled to be with you today because last week we talked a bit about why autumn is the best time to really build your entrepreneurial mindset. There's a lot of opportunities coming down the pipeline. Everyone is, you know, reaching for their pocketbooks a little bit more to spend on gifts or even on themselves. And it's a great time for you to build those fundamentals before 2024 when the new year starts. So if you haven't listened to that one, go ahead. It's one back from here. And today I wanted to talk a bit about what it actually means to quote-unquote, start a company. Now, for reference, I know I am American, but I'm based in the UK, and my first business and my second business has been based in the UK. So today, I'm going to be sharing with you the different company formations, pros, cons, and a little bit about each formation in the UK. Now, that's just a caveat because I know we have listeners from across the world, so thank you. Um, Most countries have similar-ish formation structures, but always, always, always check your local and regional guidelines to start a business. So with that, let us jump in. When people think about starting a business, oftentimes we think of, you know, something like a corporation or uh, a limited company, an LLC, but there are many shades of what your business can take. So I want to share with you the four common types here and give you some wiggle room to kind of see where the impact you want to make and the business you want to have fits in. So the first one we're going to talk about is soul trader. So in a nutshell, soul trader means you are a business of me, myself, and I. It is just you and you are your business. So As a business of one, oftentimes people call you solopreneurs. I've seen this in the form of service providers. So maybe you are a creative, an accountant, a um, consultant, workshop provider, etc. And as a party of one, you can go out, sell your services, and do not need to file for VAT, 
which is a common tax here, unless you make over a certain threshold of money. I think last time I checked, it was around 80,000 pounds. Um, and as a sole trader, which I've been, and I'm still registered as a sole trader because it's super e easy to register here, uh, you pay your taxes later when you file an annual return. So I will charge X to come in and give a workshop or a program with a partner. They pay me, and then a portion of that I will have to save to pay the HMRC later on in the year. Oftentimes, sole traders are those individuals who we call, quote, self-employed because they are working for themselves. Now, what's great about being a sole trader is it is simple. There is not a lot of, you know, faff around figuring out taxes, uh, figuring out what you owe for pensions, figuring out X, Y, and Z. But this also means you have more liability because you are your business. So for example, if you are an accountant and you mess up someone's filing, taxes, etc., you yourself are liable and hypothetically they can sue you. Uh, I know that might sound scary at the beginning, but um, there's also different insurance policies. So don't worry about that right now. It's a really good option if you're starting out a business. It's clear cut. And especially for my side hustlers out there, being registered as a sole trader will allow you to grow your side hustle. And then as long as you keep some money aside for taxes later in the year, you can pay yourself. You can really benefit from the income you're making without having to go through a lot of formalized processes. So that is what a sole trader means. Now, when we think about starting a business, oftentimes, I would say nine times out of 10, people immediately jump to the limited company. This is the bread and butter of when someone says, quote, business. That means as a limited company, it is a separate entity from yourself. So there's a nice separation. And that means the business has limited liability. So for example, if you are registered as an accounting firm and you mess up someone's taxes, they would sue the firm, not the individual accountant who messed up. Oftentimes, limited companies are more tax efficient. So you pay for tax on your profits. And I think in the UK, it's pretty flat. It's like 19%. And Limited companies are great, I would say, if you are building a product-based business as well, because you do have that VAT tax already incorporated, and it is way easier to figure out, um, you know, if you are shipping things abroad, etc. What's also nice about a limited company is if you are limited by shares, which are, you know, a stake, a piece of the pie of the company you can raise investment. 
So oftentimes when I talk to founders doing uh, an impact-led business that requires a lot of capital, usually things in the environmental space, water, even sometimes education, limited companies allow you to raise investment, whether that's angels, institutional funds, and even take out business loans, etc. Limited companies in the UK are really easy to set up. Um, I think it costs about 27 pounds and you can do it online today if you really want to. But the kind of drawback to limited companies is that your information is public. So in the UK, we have something called Companies House, where they will list your, you know, who the company directors are, where your company is registered, and your returns. So Overall, a limited company is a great step if you are aiming to build a quite scalable business, whether that is a product or service, um, and you want to become the most tax efficient as possible. Limited companies are great as well if you are aiming to expand your team. Uh, So being a limited company, you can hire individuals and grow your internal networks as well. And You can always start out as a sole trader and then jump to a limited company later. So I just want to say that uh, if you're not ready to make that leap just yet, um, but limited companies, I would say, are the bread and butter of what we talk about when we're talking about uh, SMEs, startups, terms like that. Now, I also want to add that you can be a limited company and still have a very strong social impact. When I first uh, co-founded Musemio, which is our education company, back in 2018, we incorporated in our company's kind of mission, ethos, and even in our kind of investment to have a social purpose. So this company, yes, would be limited by shares, but as a company, we are on the path to make a social impact even as a for-profit company. So I don't want to say that, you know, limited companies are all, you know, profit-making and and doom and gloom. There are amazing, 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 amazing companies who are for-profit, who are doing some really, really incredible work. Now, maybe you are thinking, well, I don't really want to be a sole trader and limited companies not for me. I want to do more on the impact space. I want to be able to get more grants, more institutional funding from donors, etc. Then the next two options are really for you. The first one is called a kick. So it's a community interest company. They are businesses that are kind of, I would describe them as a hybrid between a little bit of a charity and a little bit of a traditional uh, LLC or limited company. Oftentimes when we talk about kicks, they are interchanged a lot with the word social enterprise. And this is because they can be limited by shares or guarantee, but they have a constitution that really outlines that this business is for a community impact. That means that they are built for social good. Now, because they are built for social good, oftentimes they can take grant funding if they are open to social enterprises and kicks. 
And they can also take investment funding, whether that's through angels or VCs, etc. Now, what's great about them is in the formation, the very seeds of your business, you have a strong commitment for social good and a clear community of interest. So you have a very designated, focused scope for you to work to meet those missions. On kind of a, I would say, con of a kick is that they're relatively unknown. Most people don't recognize what a kick is. They're becoming more and more and more popular. They restrict your assets and your dividends. So what that means is if you make a ton of profit and you want to give out a dividend, it would be capped at a certain percent because the rest of the money should go and be reinvested to make more social good. But I really think a kick option is great if you are having a service or a product that fits for a specific community for a specific social or environmental purpose. It's still quite easy to register. Once again, you do it online. You need to be reviewed by the applications for Kick, and they will get back to you quite quickly to see if you meet that criteria. So this is a really great option if you are interested and really focused on the impact you want to make. So we talked about sole traders, we've talked about limited companies, and we've talked about kicks. So now I want to discuss charities. Charities are kind of on the other end of the spectrum from limited companies. So charities are not-for-profit, non-profits, and as an entity, you need to be approved by the charity board. So there is a bit more legwork when it comes to uh, forming a charity. I recommend always reviewing the guidelines that the charity board have outlined. And as a charity, you need to be used for charitable purposes only. So any kind of profits you make need to be reinvested for your charitable causes. And you need to be for public benefit. So there's different types of charities. I know in the U.S. I actually took a uh, university class on charities. Um, So there's different types. There are charities that can advance uh, politics to uh, general causes and everything in between. As a charity, though, you get access to grant funding and donations. So this means you can apply for tenders or bids with the government, any sort of foundation where the donor will give money to specific charitable causes. And as a charity, there are huge tax benefits uh, for the business as well as those donating if if you've ever used GiftGate or, or donated to charities in the past. And charities are often governed by a board, so there is some more oversight when it comes to running your business. So instead of just a CEO, you will need to report to a charitable board, uh, which they will see if you are in line with the mission of your charity. We've talked a bit about Soul Trader. We've talked a little bit about limited companies, kicks, and charities. Once again, you as a founder 
as an entrepreneur, you have the choice to to pick which one relates most to your cause, your impact, as well as the business structure that makes sense for you. Now, no matter which one you're looking into, I recommend that you investigate both from a business side as well as from a legal side, the pros and cons of these company formations. It's really important that you get these fundamentals right because I've had individuals jump to limited companies when they should have started as sole traders. I've seen people start as sole traders and grow way too fast and need to become limited companies, kicks, charities. This is all part of the journey. And I don't want it to be intimidating because when I started out, I was absolutely totally terrified and intimidated looking up all of these different definitions, words I did not know, but it is part of the journey. And if you need any additional support, figuring out which is right for you, or maybe doing a review of your business strategy and which is going to be right for you for the next upcoming three, six, 12 months, do not hesitate to book a one-to-one coaching call. I absolutely love getting into the weeds of people's businesses, figuring out what is best for you as a founder and as a person, as well as what is best for your business ambitions. So if you're interested in a coaching call, do not hesitate. The link is down in the bio. And I hope you learned a little bit about the different company formations. So next time you're thinking about starting one or your friends say they have a company, go ahead and probe them. Ask which one they registered as. It's opening the conversation, making these terms more equitable and accessible for all of the entrepreneurs out there. So remember, always look to see what your country offers, and I'm always here to support you to build those impact-led businesses. So thank you for listening today. I'm so excited to have you here. If you've enjoyed, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, this is Everyday Entrepreneurship. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Everyday Entrepreneurship. To stay tuned and most up to date, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow me, Caitlin Fritz, on Instagram. And if you have any questions about building your business with impact, drop me an email with the link in the show notes. This podcast is produced by the great people at the Podcast Boutique. I look forward to catching up with you next week. See you then.